everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. 90% of us will get married at least once in our lifetime, and, and we will have a wedding. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of weddings in my life. When I worked at the church, my father pastors in Houston, I did wedding after wedding after wedding. I have some great wedding stories. One day, I would love to write a book about the crazy things that that happened in the ministry and some of those things have happened during weddings because when you talk about weddings, you have emotion and you got family and you've got all sorts of theatrics just on display. It's really raw, it's real, it's sentimental, a a wedding. I've I've always loved fashion my entire life. I I just have And, and even when I was a little kid, like two years old, I would watch sports, and back in the day in the 60s, you couldn't even buy little pants with stripes down the sides like football players wore. My mother, she's, she's very creative, she would sew stripes down my pants so I could just like run and look. Whoa, look at that stripe! I remembered it, two years old. And, and then you couldn't buy, buy shirts back in the day with, with numbers. And then she, she would you know, make me these shirts and paint the numbers on them, and, and wow. Well, the reason I'm telling you that is I've never bought a tux in my life until a couple of days ago. I bought a tux and I have to wear a tux for this wedding. So that was fun. I was standing there in the mirror going, I mean, I look, I look pretty good in a tux. I, I, you know, a little bit of trivia. The first job I ever had was in a tuxedo shop when I was 15 years old. Anyway, I know you don't care about that, but <laughs> it has to do with weddings. Well, today, as we kick off this series on Advent, Advent, I'm gonna talk about weddings. Huh? Now, when I say Advent, because we're calling this advantageous, right? The, the Advent advantage. When I say Advent, what do you think about? A lot of churches celebrate the Advent. The Advent is basically the four Sundays before Christmas Eve. So we're launching this series, Advent, not at the exact time, I guess, historically we should have, but we are launching it. What does it mean when I say Advent? An Advent is a coming or an arrival. That's an Advent, a coming or an arrival. There's a difference though, we need to understand the difference between an event and an advent. An advent is not just an event, nor is an event an advent. An event is pedestrian. An advent would be powerful. An event is flippant, whereas an advent is faithful. An event is casual, whether, and an advent would be more cosmic. An event is trite, is something that just kind of happens, whereas an advent is, is treasure. An advent is, is something that, that we should be involved in, and when we involve ourselves in this, there will be an advantage in our lives. It's very advantageous for us if we understand the depth of the advent. An advent is the preparation 
for the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus. That's the advent. That's the first part of the definition. It's the participation of the celebration of the incarnation. What's the incarnation? When God walked down the staircase of heaven with a baby in his arms. The incarnation, Jesus became flesh. That's the incarnation. That happened 2,000 years ago. We're preparing for that. Churches around the world are preparing for that to celebrate the coming. Jesus was born in a manger, but it doesn't stop there. Anytime you think about the manger, the manger is overshadowed by the cross. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. Then, after he appeared to a number of people, 500 people one time, at the same time, he was taken away to the heavenlies. And from now until he comes again, we're involved in the church age. So work with me now. The advent has a dual focus. It's the preparation of the celebration of the incarnation. That's the first aspect of it. The second aspect of it is it's the anticipation of the coronation of our salvation. It's, it's looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So those of us who are believers, and if you're not, that's cool. Take notes, don't count ceiling tiles. Think about this. But for those of us who are believers, wow, that should bring in great confidence, great hope, great security, because I don't know if you think this way, I do. When I see what's going on in our world today, acts of terrorism, when you see the mayhem and the racism and just the, the, the ridiculous decision-making by so many leaders who were supposed to be educated, who were supposed to be so smart and full of sense, yet common sense is unique, isn't it? It's not common. It's highly uncommon. But when, when I see some of these things, and, and, and a close friend of mine's brother, as I've told you just a couple of weeks ago, was murdered in cold blood. And we've been having these conversations and these texts going back and forth. When I see these things, I say to myself, and I know you do too, somebody's got to pay. I mean, don't, don't, don't you think that? I do. Somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to pay for this. And if you think back in the book of Genesis, you have man and woman created in the image of God. They were sinless. They, they, they had this great relationship with God, yet they had their freedom of choice. Man chose to sin. Then they discovered their sin had sequestered them from God. God killed an innocent animal, spilled the blood of an innocent animal, took the covering, took the skin of the innocent animal, and Adam and Eve used it to cover their nakedness, a foreshadowing of what would take place in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, an innocent third party shedding its blood to atone for the sins of man. Then the ultimate sin sacrifice, Jesus being born, Jesus dying, Jesus shedding his blood for your sins and mine on the cross, an innocent third party, the Lamb of God, 
who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus, who conquered death by rising again, then he went up to be with the Father in heaven. Yet throughout the pages of scripture, we see it. We see it. It's gonna culminate with Jesus coming back. He's gonna settle the score. He is gonna deal with sin and the devil and the demons. They will spend eternity in the lake of fire. And let me say again, God does not hurl anyone to hell. Hell was not designed for human beings. So for someone to go to hell, they will have to go against the grain, against the will of God. So when you hear about the advent, yeah, it's a celebration. It's like, wow, yay God. And yes, yay God, because he sent Jesus. Jesus became flesh. But we have to remember too what Jesus did, the work on the cross, his resurrection, and now we wait and wait for the second coming of Jesus. Now, so I could go on and on about the history of the Advent. I could teach you some things. Maybe you've never heard about the Advent, but I've given you what you need to know about the Advent, that it is a, a dual focus. We think about the birth, the manger, and obviously we think about the cross, but we look forward to Jesus coming again. The imminent second return, second coming of Jesus Christ. So the first advent is the birth, the second advent will be the second coming of Jesus. But I'm a so what person, so what, so what, so what. Let's go back to a wedding. Let's just go back to a wedding because Jesus talked a lot about weddings. And if you think about the advent, if you think about the gospel, you know, the, the gospel is, is sort of a come and go type situation. Have you, have, you, have you thought about that? You know, during the holidays, before I get into weddings, I just thought about this. During the holidays, you know, a lot of people have, have, have come and go parties, drop-ins. Have you heard of a drop-in before? Anybody drop-in? A drop-in is basically, you have a party, and let's say it lasts from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m., and people just drop in. They're supposed to drop in and leave. That's what they're supposed to do. They are. And this is kind of, kind of funny. In my neighborhood last year, we, we had a drop-in at our house, and, and we had pretty much the whole neighborhood show up. It's funny how people, we, we, we love to see where people live. What is that about human beings? Dogs don't really care about the way other dogs live, or ants don't, or fish don't really care. But human beings, we are enthralled. Whoa, I get to come over to your house. And especially to a pastor's house. Anytime we ever have a party at our house, pretty much 100% of the people we invite show up. It's funny. They look around, whoa, you mean you have a bathroom? You mean you use a bathroom? You have a kitchen, really? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's funny. So we had this party, a drop-in at the neighborhood, and, and it had, you know, it was a drop-in that lasted like for three hours. Well, most people got it. They dropped in, dropped out, but you always have these crazy people, you know, these crazy neighbors. And some of the neighbors stayed and stayed and they did some crazy stuff, man, it was, it was crazy. So I told Lisa, Lisa, this is our first and last drop-in we will ever have. But the gospel is about dropping in. It's about coming and going, isn't it? Jesus is, 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 is going to where we're coming and we're coming to where he's going. 
That's, that's the gospel. That's the advent. It's, it's about come and go. Jesus came and he will come again. And he did the work on the cross to render our salvation. Thus, as believers, we need to work out what he has worked in. Now let's talk about the wedding. One day Jesus talked about this wedding. It's a parable, it's a story. And, and weddings, even back in biblical times, were full of emotion. And he, he talked about 10 virgins, 10 bridesmaids. And, and guys, you think it's expensive today, fathers, to pay for a wedding? You ain't seen nothing yet. Here's, here's how these, these weddings would go down back in biblical times. The bridegroom would go to the bride's house and they, they would have the, the, the ceremony. Then they would have this parade following the ceremony to the bride's house. And at the bride's house, this partay would last sometimes for a week. Well, there was this parade route. 10 bridesmaids were there. It was at nighttime. And Jesus, when he told the story in Matthew 25, said that the, the, the bridesmaids had these little, these little lanterns, these little lamps, and they were like boats filled with oil and, and a, a cotton wick would float on the oil. And if you were smart, you would have reserve oil and you could keep the lamps illuminated. You keep the lamps lit. So five of the bridesmaids ladies who had their updos, you know, I even know about what an updo is now. An updo, guys, you might be going, what are you talking about? Ask your, ask your wife. You know, they had their updos going and, and five of these girls, they were pretty smart, pretty savvy. They had the little, little, little lanterns and oil. They had even extra oil. I don't know where they put it in their purse or maybe a pocket or whatever back in the day. Yet they were ready to pull an all-nighter because they didn't know when the ceremony would end at, at one home and, and finish at the other. So they were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, the other five, so five brought extra oil. The other five had just enough oil in their lanterns. I mean, not very much oil at all. They were kind of airheads. They were so thinking about their nails and their updos and their dresses that they did not bring any reserve oil. Well, the wedding party moved from one house to the next house the five who were wise, man, they, they had enough oil to, to, to light up their lives and, and, and to show the bride and groom the parade route, the five airheads, the unwise bridesmaids who were like, oh girl, we've run out of oil. Can I borrow some oil from you? Can I have some oil from you? And they were like, get your own oil. So they were like, ah! So they went to 7-Eleven, got some oil, then they came back. The parade was done. The party had started in the other house. And this is kind of a scary, scary parable that Jesus told. Let's pick it up in verse 10 out of Matthew 25. But while they were on their way to buy the oil to the 7-Eleven, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, the bridesmaids, who were ready, went in with him, who were ready, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. 
But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. Well, that's telling me, it's telling you as a believer, because all of these girls were believers because they all had oil, oil being a reference of the Holy Spirit of God throughout scripture, oil being a reference to the word of God. They had oil, all of them did, yet some understood how to use it how to steward it, how to take that cotton wick and, and keep cutting it for the flame to stay lit while the others didn't. Responsibility. I can't steal oil from your relationship. You can't steal oil from my relationship. We have a personal responsibility before the Lord himself to to have that fresh oil in our lives, in our lanterns, don't we? That fresh oil of walking with Jesus, of talking with Jesus, that fresh oil of, of coming to his church and, 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 and having people pour oil into our lives. Yet, yet, yet we always have those, those, those people, those, those unwise people who have just enough God to be Dangerous. Do you know what I'm saying to you? And, and, and there's going to be a time of accountability. Jesus will come back. He will settle the score. And we'll be held accountable regarding what we did with the gifts and abilities he bestowed into our lives. Because if you keep reading in Matthew 25, I don't have the time to do it, the next story Jesus told was the story of talents. He said, man, these guys, uh, 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 these servants of this very wealthy person had these talents that the wealthy person gave them. He gave one five, one two, and one one. Two of them parlayed their talent. One of them just sat on it. And Jesus was driving at responsibility and accountability. You have gifts I don't have. I have gifts that you don't have. There's an accountability and a responsibility, a responsibility and accountability because we don't know when he's coming back. And, and rarely is this talked about very much anymore because you know everybody talks about grace and God's a God of love and God's a God of unmerited favor and he is. But also God is a God who has made us personally responsible and we have to live under this sense of accountability. Well, let me move, let me move even to another wedding story. I mean, Jesus, Jesus talked a lot about weddings. He did, he did. Well, in Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 38, and, and this is sort of, this is sort of the app session of where I'm going. When you think about the advent, when you think about the dual focus of remembering the birth and looking forward to the second coming, which should bring about responsibility and accountability, here, here is the app session. The first thing I wanna tell you is dress up. Say it with me, dress up. That's right, dress up, dress up. It's, it's, it's interesting because 
A lot of cities like Dallas and Miami are known for their fashion. People, people dress up. Whenever I tell people, oh, I'm from Dallas, oh, Dallas, oh, people love fashion there. People dress up in Dallas. Or I'm in Miami, oh yeah, people dress up in Miami. There's a certain style that people have who live in Dallas, live in Miami. It's, it's, it's very interesting. People just dress up. The Bible says, the moment we become a believer, we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So, so, so we're dressed up. Also, the Bible says that each and every day we need to dress up and put on the armor of God. Well, this guy had been out at another wedding and his servants had no idea when he was coming back. Again, I think you can see the, 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 the foreshadowing here. Be dressed and ready for service. So I serve, I think about others. I've got the oil, I've got my gifts and abilities, and I'm using them for the glory of God, which means I'm others driven. So be dressed, ready for service. And keep your lamps burning. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Have you ever heard that song before? I love it. Great song. Maybe it's from this verse, I don't know. But keep your lamps burning. We gotta continue, right, to put oil. We have to continue to allow the Lord to, to, to cut and to, and to allow things to occur in our lives and allow him to prune us, to, to cut some things back so, so we can bloom, so, so we can keep the candle going because yeah, you gotta dress up, but also you gotta light up. I'm gonna talk about allowing our light to shine because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then we have an opportunity to receive the light and we should allow the light to illuminate everything we're about. Have you ever tried to dress in the dark? Invariably, you're gonna make a, a fashion move that is funky and freaky. We get dressed in the light. We see that things match, hopefully. Well, these, these servants who were waiting, they didn't know when the master was coming back. They were dressed up and they were, they were lighting up. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good, I love that, for those servants whose master finds them watching. Anytime in scripture you read about the second coming of Jesus, anytime that you hear someone teach on the second coming of Christ, usually it's accompanied by purity and urgency. So these servants, don't you know, they were keeping their house clean, man. They didn't know when the homeowner was coming back. Are you pure? I'm not talking about a legalistic trip, I'm talking about because of a relationship. Because we know the owner. We know the one who's built the house. We should live pure lives. Why? Because we're clothed in righteousness. 
Is there any conversation, any event, any place, anything that would embarrass you or freak you out if Christ came back and you were doing that very thing? Again, that's accountability, that's responsibility, that's purity. Also, there should be an urgency. We don't know when Christ is coming back. So many signs are pointing to it. The mayhem in our world. Our world ain't getting better. It's not. And the only thing, the only, only thing that's gonna do it is when Jesus comes back. So I should have an urgency. Fellowship Church, we should be urgent to serve, to sow our resources, and to share with others who so desperately need it. Because it is a heart transformation. So, 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 so dress up, light up, and wait up. Man, these cats were waiting up. They didn't know when the master was going to show up. And here's Jesus. He's talking now past his death and burial all the way to his second coming. A little, a little, a little prophecy here. He says, he says, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. So this last thing you can say is wait up. Yeah, we dress up, light up, and wait up. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve who will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. They were ready. And we should be ready as we live this life. Well, that's a little bit about the Advent. The Advent is a preparation for the celebration of the incarnation and it's about the anticipation of the coronation of our salvation, the second coming. It's that, it's that dual focus, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that dual focus. But in reality, all of us are planning for another wedding. That wedding that will occur when the bridegroom Jesus splits the eastern skies and comes back for his bride, the church. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he's coming. He's coming and we're going. We're going to where he's coming and he's coming to where we're going. And that's something to celebrate. That's something to anticipate. Are you ready for the Advent? Because it's the true advantage. listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.